Hello and welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast. I'm your host, Will Chernoff, and this episode is sponsored by the free weekly email at rhythmchanges.ca. That's where you can get the upcoming Vancouver Jazz events from the gig list that I do on the website and get new articles about artists, events, and recordings in our scene. Every Tuesday morning, you can sign up right now by going to the homepage of this website associated with this here podcast, rhythmchanges.ca, to sign up today. Thank you. I started going there in like 2015. Part of me will always have my heart there. You know, it's one of those places that like really like kind of rips you open and I had a little too much freedom. All right, well, 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 I told you last month that I would be back soon and hey, we did it. Here I am, I'm back at you with another new episode. This one is a first meeting for me. I always have so much fun doing these when I can bring you a conversation with somebody who I haven't talked to at length before. I really learn a lot about the people in our community by doing them like this. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Once again, not sure when I'm next gonna hit you, but until then, here we go. Our guest today is an indie country and jazz influenced singer songwriter who released her latest album, My Angels, on September 15th, 2023. She will play in Nanaimo at the Vault on October 6th, in Victoria at the Layaway on October 7th, and here in Vancouver at the Anza Club on October 12th in support of the new album. There's merch available, t-shirts, as well as cassettes, and you can contact her directly by DM if you want to pick up any of those for yourself. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Steph Wall. Hey! <laughs> welcome, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned earlier that this was the first meeting, which is not technically true because I did bump into you only once, but it does yeah. count at the Jazz Fest yeah. this summer. So what was your Jazz Fest time like? I caught you in the afternoon. We were mm -hmm. at a free show at Ocean Artworks. What do you remember yeah. seeing? How was your Jazz Fest? <sighs> I only saw one show, which was Rush Hour, yeah. which was so awesome. Um, but yeah, I was actually in Toronto for all of Vancouver Jazz Fest, and I only was able to catch one show for the Toronto Jazz Fest as well, because I was like severely, severely ill for like a week straight oh sorry yeah so when i came back to vancouver i only caught like one show because my energy was still just like all over the place uh -huh. <laughs> yeah well that one show was where i bumped into you so yeah, i'm lucky yeah. about that <laughs> <laughs> it was so good i yeah i really i wish i could have gone to more this year yeah, yeah. i'm definitely a Faven kadane fan and that was one opportunity yes. to hear you know, that music with Gordy totally. and yeah, it was really, it was really interesting. Yeah. Oh, wait. Okay. No, I did see Teresa play that night at Tyrant too. And that was oh, super, yeah. super fun because her and um, Faven did a duet, their first Mumbles. ever duet, which was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get to go to that one, but I heard about that. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. How was your jazz fest? Oh, it was great. Yeah, yeah. it was. It is the first time I really got to do it full on since I started Rhythm Changes. Um, it was also my first time playing, which was really cool. But like over Whoa. the last couple of years, um, when I started doing Rhythm Changes, the Jazz Fest was in kind of different configurations, mm. right? Like there was no 2020 festival. Yeah. 2021 festival, very limited. Mm -hmm. 22 festival coming back online. So this time it really, it really felt awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So two of the places that you're playing at, mm -hmm. the vault, the layaway, you also played at those places earlier this year, right? Yeah, in yeah. July. 
Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So how was that? What did you play different music? Did you also play the music of My Angels there? Did you play other stuff? What's the what's the deal? Um, well, it was really interesting because it's the it was the first tour I'd ever done. Um, I've had a lot of problems with having like a larger band, how to like bring them on tour and like logistics and stuff. Uh, so one of my best friends who now lives across the country, Sophie Noel, who's also an amazing like folk jazz artist, uh, we decided to do like a duo tour um, for like a week and a half and we did some material from my angels. We did some material from my last record, Wall Plays Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did a couple of unreleased songs as well. Yeah. 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 Wall Plays Hall already been a while, released in 2019, pre COVID. Interesting timeline totally. there. So it's oh, cool that you still get God. to deliver yeah. that project when yeah. you play. Totally. Yeah. I really, I still really love that project. It's definitely my music has changed a lot since that release um but i still really love that material too i don't want to make you have to speak for other people obviously (laughs) but i think this would be fun to bring up because i am always curious about this sometimes Mm -hmm. i encounter people um where when they talk or they think about their past projects like they really feel like oh i don't want anybody to hear that i want to put that away i'm moving on but it doesn't sound like you're like that no 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 i'm glad to hear that yeah i mean i i don't begrudge anybody for feel you can feel however you want about your own music but like I personally have never felt that way. And when I listen to other people's stuff, I think mm-hmm. it's really cool. I want to hear mm-hmm. what they used to be like. And I, I hear it as the, the story of the growth, right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, with the last record, it was really interesting because one of my close friends like wrote most of the material for it. And that's why it was called Wall Plays Hall, because that uh, singer-songwriter's name is Hannah Hall. Uh-huh. Um, and so I kind of feel not as, I guess, like uh you know precious about the music because somebody else wrote it whereas with my angels i feel much more like vulnerable and it feels like i'm being kind of like exposed and stuff but no i still i i just like i think also because we didn't get to tour that album and because um the cycle was cut short because of covid it still kind of feels like it can breathe a lot of life into that project when we play so it's nice to like give those songs some space. That's awesome. That's a real yeah. silver lining way to look at it, I would say. I kind of have to. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, respect. Yeah, no, I, I dig that. Mm-hmm. So on My Angels, you've got Steven Nikleva playing guitar. You've got Joe Abbott on woodwinds, Winston Minkler on bass, Nick James on drums, and featuring across some of the different tracks, Ali O'Neill, mm-hmm. Jeremy Parkin, Noah Franch Nolan, and mm-hmm. Noah Walker. So you've got yeah. real jazz musician roots in this album back in the day you were associated with the rossi gang so you are basically a vancouver jazz musician no matter what kind of music you make (laughs) yeah well it's definitely my roots for sure yeah yeah that's really cool because then you know you look for even in this project which Mm -hmm. wouldn't match most of the stuff that gets sent to me but when i find it and when Mm -hmm. i see people it's the same people in our community who are enthusiastically sharing what you do and being like everybody go check out steph's project they're the same people who are playing more conventional jazz music or more Mm -hmm. experimental stuff that's on that side and it's some of the same people playing on your album so it's really cool kind of path that you forged into the typical rhythm changes thing but into your own sound you know thank you yeah i feel really like blessed to have like a lot of people that i really look up to in the jazz community a part of this record and i feel like because of having like a foundation in jazz, it really does give 
like a lot of space for you know different types of music and different types of genre and like it's uh it's interesting to take those minds and be like what if we just like changed the path and see what comes out you know yeah there's a couple of things that i feel like are natural consequences of putting together a group of people like that i think the one that is the most apparent to anybody even if they're not musically involved themselves as a player or something like that is that the eight tracks on my angels you cover so much ground it's like each track can go from style to style to style to style and you are adding a couple of people in on certain tracks and like mm-hmm. some of the tracks you co-wrote with noah french nolan some of them yeah. you co-wrote with ali i want i want to ask you about that later too but i think just first of all if you look at the album and you think about how diverse the different sounds from track to track are it mm. speaks to like if, you know that's what that's what like young jazz musicians do when you put them in a room together totally. is they're willing to do anything and they're they're capable of doing all that mm-hmm. right yeah was that by design like did you want to create a really eclectic project like that or just kind of happened? it just happened like all of the songs were co-written or like I wrote all of the lyrics and then I wrote most of the melodies and then I'd bring them to Noah and I'd bring them to Allie and I'd say, can you help me arrange this? Can you help me like chart this out? So how much would you give them? Would you give them just a voice memo of you singing and playing? Would you give them anything on a chart? What would you give them? I don't uh, write music. I don't read music. Okay. I haven't played an instrument consistently since I was 17. Okay. Um, I don't, even usually pick up a guitar or like play the piano unless I really like feel like I can hone in on it. Um, It's usually an acapella voice note that I send them. And then um, the process is usually we like spend an afternoon working through a track line by line and seeing which options we have. Wow. Um, Yeah. And it, it's, it was a really cool bonding experience because those are two of my best friends as well and like they're just such amazing composers that I was like I know that they're gonna get the like the core of the song um because a lot of those songs on my angels are extremely personal right so and like I just knew that they'd get it because a lot of their music individually is very spiritual as well um, but yeah, it didn't, to go back to the original question, like it didn't, I didn't plan to have every single track just be so different from each other. <laughs> um, it was really funny because when we got into the studio, Steven actually said like, I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's, that's fair. But um, I feel like we just we really honed in and somehow it just was able to like flow more easily into each other which was very lucky (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know that way of sending them just straight voice tracks i i think that's tremendously to your credit like i mean Mm. i would hope that nobody would be so snobby as to think less of your process because you do that um there are people in the world who may unfortunately treat people that way but i would hope Mm -hmm. that that would never happen but personally Mm -hmm. i think it's totally to your credit that that's how you do it and that you do it in a way that matches like where you're coming from yeah and i'm sure they love that too because that is not going to be like what other people send them other people Mm -hmm. are going to send them like charts that have a lot of stuff that they have to untangle but here it's almost like you're giving them an opportunity to to take something in a more open 
way, yeah. right? Well, it was really hard um, for me to kind of see it that way. And I really appreciate you seeing it that way as well. Because oh. I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, oh, this was actually like kind of a blessing that it had this much room to kind of have collaboration and like change and grow. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely like a sensitive thing for me to like, you know, not accompany myself and that kind of thing. But I do really love collaborating with people. So that gives me like, this is why I get to do it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, I mean, I know Noah's music quite well, I would Mm -hmm. say. And like him, he would be one of the people I would most want on the other end of that if I was going to do something like that. Like, I'm sure he is up. He's totally up for that to take a a, a vocal and a lyric (laughs) and to craft something with you around it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been doing that on and off for years. So it's been a really awesome way to connect. Yeah. Now you did. We mentioned you went to those uh, places on Vancouver Island earlier this mm-hmm. year as well. And you're going to be playing there again real, real soon. Mm-hmm. You also played here at mm-hmm. two other places recently. You played at Gilton Co. and the Painted Ship yep. in August. Yeah. And I'm sure you also kind of played this music there too. So totally. how was that? Yeah. It was awesome. Um, I love playing at Gilton Co. I've been playing there since like 2015. So it's just like feels really homey and awesome to play with the band there. And uh, Painted Ship was, I really like the sound in that room. I really like the feeling in that room. And we did a lot of my angels material that night as well. And it went really well. I was yeah. really happy with it. Yeah. The painted ship has entered the jazz scene more too. There's mm-hmm. been two jazz shows there recently. There was the mm-hmm. first one with like Chris Davis playing trumpet. And then there was Andrea Superstein right. singing and then there's more coming. So that's a yeah. new kind of infidels jazz series. So I went, cool. I've been there and it's been packed. It's been it's nice. Really super cool. Yeah. I'm excited to play there again for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this time for the Anza Club is what you've got coming up. So you're bringing the whole band, the whole My Angels band. Um, Yeah. Well, Allie won't be here and neither will Noah. Um, So we've got Sue and Park on keys. Nice. nice. Uh, We've got Tim Sars. There's another rush hour. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Totally. (laughs) A callback. Uh, Tim Sars is going to be joining us on sax because Joe will be on tour. Uh, we got Winston Minkler on bass, Stephen Nicleva on guitar, Nick James on drums. Um, one of my best friends who does not do music professionally will be doing some backup vocals for the first time, nice. uh, which will be really exciting. And then uh, Cyrus Jordan is going to open up for us. Yeah. Nice, nice. So you're going to yeah. play one good long set. Yeah. Yeah, much. yeah I'm pumped. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and you're going to have those, you're going to have your merch there. Oh, for sure. Off stage, oh, yeah, yeah. Too, so people and, can also get it there. Yeah. And we'll have um, the last record, Wall Plays Hall, and I'll even have my first two jazz records there as well. So what do you have those on CD? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was talking about CDs. I end up talking about CDs with a lot of people just because mm. of work. And I said yesterday, I told somebody that like, it seems like that jazz is like the last bastion of CDs. Like I feel like if you talk to even like relatively established and successful like indie artists in more popular genres, Mm -hmm. 
CDs are totally gone from their lives. As you know, it all makes yeah. sense. You can't you can't get a car with a CD player anymore a lot of the times, and so yeah. it makes sense, right? So they're either thinking it's digital or vinyl or bust, right? But or there's tapes. still something there, or yeah, yeah, and that's a that's something that's even off my radar. But you've got them, and yeah. some of my other friends have done them, and that that totally is a thing too. But yeah, it seems like CDs have an interesting place right now. But mm-hmm. we're both around the edges of people who still want them. So totally, yeah. yeah, I really like them. Like I think it's kind of it's just really nice to be able to look at a project and. Be be like nothing's gonna kind of distract me from this and i have a tangible piece of art in my hands and that's also why i like tapes too because like even if you're not even if you don't have a way to listen to it it's just a nice way to look at all of the tracks in the album art and they're affordable like vinyl is it's tough i feel like yeah and then once you start selling things online, then you got to think about how you're going to ship them. And then, yeah, totally. that's a whole other thing yeah. with, mm-hmm. with vinyl. So there's challenges there. But you're going to have all your wares yes, at this show. So. all my wares. <laughs> <laughs> at all three shows. <laughs> so is My Angels, I think I saw you post about this once. Is this a reference to a collection of people from your life, a collection of special people? What's going on with the title? Yeah. Um, so I wrote a lot of these songs um, while I was uh, like going through some like spiritual change and growth um, over COVID. It was like a very, I mean, for a lot of people, almost everybody, I feel like it was a dark period of time. Um, And, you know, I was trying to connect to my heritage and my ancestors and um, a lot of people that have kind of, uh, you know, passed away or aren't in my life anymore and my connections. And um, they felt very influential and very present with me when I was writing this music. Um, And just one day it just kind of fell into my lap that I really wanted to name it My Angels because like even the people that I wrote the music with, like Noah and Allie included, those people are kind of in in that title as well. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was also like a dedication to like my grandparents who helped raise me and that kind of thing. And it just, it, I feel very, um, I guess it's titles for songs and for albums have always been very important to me, but I've always taken other people's opinions on a little bit too much when I'm considering like what to call the piece of work and this time it just kind of felt like every single track felt very um like I just really wanted to hone in on the title specifically and so I spent a lot of time just like processing like what felt right to represent them and that kind of thing okay so we're knowing that Mm -hmm. and knowing the process where it's lyric and vocal driven from you and then your collaborators help you turn into a song so i imagine you've got mostly what ends up being the final lyrics mm-hmm. at that point i would also then imagine that you would know what the title is going to be sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> yeah i'm sure not always yeah <laughs> <laughs> so with that amount of stuff mm-hmm. and again like the the diverse results of the album like the yeah. different sounds you get how much do you know at the point when you start introducing it to the other people yet what the vibe of the song is going to be like? Like how much does that mm. end up being up to them? How much do you, how much opinion do you have about that? 
mm-hmm. once you've dealt with that part that you just talked about of like the meaning of the title and of, yeah. and of what goes into the lyrics how much has already been determined about what it ends up sounding like that's kind of a hard question because it changed with every single yeah. track um with like sometimes it would just sound so so almost all of them actually would sound so different because it would mostly be keyboard and voice and the instrumentation was mostly guitar bass and drums and vocals so sometimes i would get really attached to the way that a song would sound with uh working with ali or noah and then suddenly we'd throw it to the band and i'd be like this is so disorienting like this doesn't sound anything like what I've pictured and that would actually help me change um, like sometimes the vibe of the song, sometimes the title Um, and yeah, like it, a lot of the genre influence didn't really come until I would bring it to the full band. Um, And I'd say almost every single title changed over the course of like bringing it, to the band as well oh yeah okay so i mean yeah. you're saying like oh yeah the title is very important to me but that doesn't necessarily mean you're locked into one title for no. one piece no, no. It, it means it's important <laughs> for you to get it but yeah. you're gonna you're gonna let it move and change over totally time. Okay. and and it's funny because like a lot of those charts uh still have like the old names that huh. were originally on them so it can be a little bit confusing sometimes yeah yeah, I've got I've got a few of those too. I've got mm. a very large collection of all my music is instrumental though because I've mm-hmm. never been a singer songwriter. But I've got a very large collection of the the music I've written and I've changed some titles over the years and I've pl- yeah. put out some different charts and my charts collection is not hasn't dealt with all that yet. There's right. still some some mess there yeah. to be to be cleaned up. Yeah, but it's all good. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a real collaboration then in in terms of what you end up making, what the vibe of that song ends up being. You you both really own it. You and yeah. all your your collaborators have had something to say in that and you've mm-hmm. you've shifted it together. You're not just um you're not stating that all for them and getting them no. to do it. No. Yeah. And like the music, especially uh like the tracks like Public Pool, Spanish Moss, those two particularly were like changed a lot over the course of playing them with the band too because Stephen Winston and Nick have all been really um influential in like the direction that they go into and like producing on the fly while we were recording and that kind of thing because those two or Spanish Moss I think we played it maybe like four times before we recorded it in total so it was very very fresh yeah yeah yeah, Spanish Moss, that's the one with like all the jang- the jangliest mm-hmm. kind of guitars, right? Yeah. yeah. That one is almost one of the ones that I think stands out the most. Mm-hmm, like it's the most sure. different from some of the other ones. It's really kind of in the indie rock mm-hmm. area. It's really kind of yeah. gone that way. Yeah, totally. more, than, more than some of the other ones that are more country. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And then, I mean, I love a good Winston on electric bass. <laughs> that's always fun to, <laughs> to, to bring that out into the world. So, I mean, my favorite track is probably Private Dinner Party. Nice. Yeah, he's kind Me of the too. more lo-fi the, the, and the bass playing on that mm-hmm. one. Very cool. That, yeah. That's another arrangement that stands out mm-hmm. for me in terms of where that ended up going. Nice. Yeah, that was, I was really not expecting to put that uh, track on the record, but it just... I love the instrumentation on it so much that I was just like, I have to put it out. Yeah. And then like the ones that were maybe the most what I would have expected, mm-hmm. like for sure something like Lullaby because mm-hmm. it has the swing and the shuffle and the yeah. kind of blues, more blues based lyrics totally. to me, I, I would say. Yeah. But, you know, so that's that's more if I just like 
looked when i looked at the project for the first time if i look who's playing mm-hmm. that's maybe what i would imagine it would sound like kind yeah. of things and then the, the other the other things are all really interesting when you mix it all in yeah yeah, yeah. and then like destroyer mm-hmm. i saw you post once that destroyer started as like a poem that you never really expected to share publicly but then you ended up turning it into a song right yeah yeah it was really personal um and just kind of like yeah reflecting on how to navigate like social circles as a femme and like what that means when you know there's a lot of men not taking you seriously and uh feel not feeling safe in spaces because of people being shitty to each other and yeah that song really it really evolved and that's the one that Noah Walker is on um we recorded that it was actually a demo um recorded in my mom's living room with Noah Walker Winston Minkler and Nick James and then um we recorded it again in the studio in November of last year and it changed so much. It was really a lot darker, a little bit more like sinister. And then we had Joe wailing on it on top. And then I listened back to the demo and I was just like, this has so much more of like a, I love when songs are really upbeat, but uh, the lyrics, you know, have more of a deeper meaning. And so we decided to release the demo instead of the studio version that we have. Huh. Uh, so we will be releasing that at some point. Keep yeah. your okay. keep your ears open. But <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So what what are the artists you? Th- what's an artist that you think of when you think about that? Because I know what that is too. That's a well established path of like the what you just described about upbeat and then what's what's kind of mm. hidden in the lyrics. Who do you think of if you're thinking about somebody else who's who Oof. does that or something? Because I mean, there's a whole bunch that seem to be on the tip of my tongue. But yeah. this, is, this is like a big thing in like indie it, rock. It indie really pop. is. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say Hey Ya by Outkast is like the most classic. Oh, like, that's a really good. Yeah, that's the, a, that's a really good example of that. Yeah. yeah. Remember that music video? it's crazy <laughs> with the casket on the stage oh my god it's right wild. you could also hide the the morbid material in the music video behind a totally a song. Yeah. yeah yeah well you did a music video for destroyer yeah we did with a really good friend of mine indigo linus um they directed it and we made like all of these insane like paper mache demon heads <laughs> and um we threw a big party in their living room and it was so much fun like truly one of the highlights of my year was doing was filming that um just like on a vhs camcorder and uh yeah it was we wanted to make it a little bit darker and there was going to be more of a storyline but when you have, you know, like 25 people in the room and everybody's kind of partying because that was the vibe of the the song. Yeah. It's pretty hard to orchestrate, but I'm so happy with the results and just really happy that we were able to like, ex- like kind of explore doing a music video together as like a friend group. And that's something that I'd really love to do more is like try to direct music videos and just like get on to the visual side because i love that stuff you want to try and do that for your own stuff or for other artists too um i think both i think that i don't know if i would ever direct um a music video like 
as the sole person, you know, <laughs> um, I really don't have any experience in film, but I love storyboarding. I love styling people like clothes and that kind of thing. Um, so I think kind of being like uh, an aid for that would be super cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes you would have a music video where you have very specific shots and things that you would have to do. But the Destroy music video strikes me as something where you couldn't quite do that. You're right. No, You're no, kind of going to capture yeah. a bunch of stuff and then what you get totally. is going to be what you get. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah. But I mean, it turned out it totally suits yeah. a lot of the things you were talking about from the mood of yeah, the song. Yeah, yeah. And you could also make quite an excellent band out of the people who appear on the, uh, the credit screen of who, totally. who appears in that music video too. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. 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 And I believe that, I mean, there's like a visualizer video for Pearl that I think you put out before that one even. So th yeah. those are the videos from this project, right? At least so far. Or are there, so are there far, more? yeah. We have a couple more things in the canon, oh, nice. hopefully. But um, yeah, the visuals for this album have been like really integral to the project, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have roots in new orleans you spent a bunch of time there including <laughs> yeah. like with vancouver musicians who have totally. gone on to be affiliated with new orleans mm -hmm. uh, i've been there only once well when did you go i was uh well it was cool because i got to go uh on a high school band trip but it oh wasn't it wasn't as cool because one i was 16 and mm. two i didn't really have the free time Ugh, so if yeah. i ever go back there there's going to be a different way that that's going to go down and yeah be able to approach it but it sounds like the time that you spent there you had a lot of freedom to to explore there and to kind of have some formative experiences right i had a little too much freedom <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it was i mean yeah p like part of me will always have my heart there you know it's one of those places that like really like kind of rips you open and, <laughs> and like expects you to stay there forever i feel like but it's uh yeah i started going there in like 2015 um because i was uh you know with rossi gang and that kind of thing and then i started to go back and forth um kind of doing some mentorships with singers down there the main one being topsy chapman uh, she used to sing with like Ella Fitzgerald and um, Sarah Vaughn and she was amazing. She passed away in December of 2022, unfortunately. Um, mm. And I haven't been there so much since the pandemic. For sure. I just went there this past February for the first time in like four years. Oh. So that was that was pretty amazing to be able to like go back, see my community down there, you know, what kind of experiences did you get to have like in the early mm -hmm. like how this is over sounds like a few years yeah so i started going more consistently in 2017 the fall of 2017 with like joe abbott sky lamborn noah Gottfried. um and then i would come back for like the summer months and then like just kind of trade off um being here and then being in new orleans and it was just like, it was amazing because obviously it's just like so saturated in jazz and there's a lot of other avenues for music that are super underground as well. That was just kind of really eye-opening to see a city just thriving off of music um, and also like completely dependent on music. So I just like did so much busking was really focusing on my chops, was writing a lot. And then 
singing and learning from Topsy Chapman um, and just like sitting in with like amazing bands like Smoking Time Jazz Club and like the Palm Court Jazz Band and uh, yeah, it was Wendell Brunius, just really amazing players. Because like we were already saying, like you want, you could be described as an ear player you know that that's kind of do you think that that's particularly a a, an interesting place to learn and develop like Mm. as an ear player because that's a big part of the the music culture of new orleans is like the 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 learning by ear tradition as opposed to other places that don't have as much of the rich history where you have to learn in a more academic setting maybe it's a really good fit for for you and where you're coming from because of that i never thought of that (laughs) (laughs) but i totally think you're right like i think that I think it made a lot of sense for me to go there um, even more so than like New York or, you know, it just, um, it really clicked. And because a lot of the singers are like ear trained down there as well, it just was really natural. Um, I didn't really feel like I had to, you know, prove my chops otherwise or that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's different ways that you could be challenged, right? Like Mm -hmm. one way you could be challenged is a really good one where if you go down to New Orleans on and off and you get the chance to like busk with people and get mentored by people and Mm -hmm. develop learning the way that you already have been learning, but you're you're doing it on a higher level with higher level people. Like that's an awesome way to be challenged. A less Mm -hmm. awesome way to be challenged is if you end up like being forced to learn something a different way that doesn't work for you. And depending on where you went, like that could have happened, right? Oh my God, yeah. Well, I actually, I started a degree at Cornish in Seattle for uh, jazz vocals. And I just really didn't... I, I, it just was so foreign to me to be sitting in a classroom and like learning theory and everyone's really quiet and not like engaging with each other. Um, and I, I think I lasted like maybe two weeks and then oh, I yeah. was like, I need to like go play music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, like we have a lot of friends who went down that path and did mm-hmm. really well so obviously mm-hmm. oh, we, totally. we don't need to there's no comment on it as a whole we really no. appreciate the people who went there and did that yeah but yeah, yeah it doesn't, for it doesn't sure. seem to work for everybody right? for sure yeah it just like i've never i'm i really like to <laughs> i really like to get my hands dirty <laughs> yeah yeah and that's probably true of like i mean i think about the the my first experiences making albums like mm-hmm. the first album i made under my own name the, the first album i made with uh, my former band and things like that like you you won't know how to do anything and you're going to go out there and learn so there's, that's another angle of getting your hands dirty totally. that i'm sure you've mm-hmm. done as well because what would you consider my angels would you consider it to be your fourth album at this point i guess so yeah. which feels insane i know right <laughs> like but there's a lot of getting your hands dirty in totally, there totally yeah, yeah yeah and that's been like a really interesting process too um i don't know if i would uh, yeah fourth project regardless but you know those first two albums feel more like an experiment i'd say yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah because because of that because you know when you're when you're learning to to make an album you have to learn how to do all that stuff totally. from, from scratch and how it ends yeah. up feeling once you once mm-hmm. you put it out and i'm sure you've learned yeah. a lot about that and oh going God. into this one of the mm-hmm. experiences that you've had over those ones and you know you've been in some unique circumstances right yeah. like at wall place hall like you dropped that at the end of 2019 mm-hmm. right so your your whole timeline of what you're going to do after that would have been turned 
turned upside down right yeah and i also got my american visa truly like the day that lockdown happened Mm -hmm. um (laughs) which was supposed to be we were going to do like a west coast american tour for Uh wall place hall um so obviously that was halted um but this is the first project that i've ever like you know considered releasing a single like reaching out for pr that kind of thing all three of the other projects I just was announced it I don't know like maybe a week before and then was like drop like oh. <laughs> so this process feels it feels a lot more like rewarding as well to like uh you know just he- be hearing back from people and like you know having this momentum before you release something instead of just like putting it down and kind of being done with it mhm mhm yeah, so you did a little bit of like uh, promo yourself, like you maybe sent it out to some blogs or radio or something like that um, independently. Like you said, you reached out for PR. Is that what you mean by that? Was it like doing it yourself or did you bring in somebody else to work with you on that? Or what do you, what were you saying that you, d- you did on this album that you hadn't done before? Well, the first thing was I released uh, four singles. That was kind mm-hmm. of like from the get-go, I spoke to um multiple people and just kind of said like I don't even know how to really go about this anymore because there was a period in COVID where I was writing all of this material but I was like are we gonna come out of this like am I gonna be able to perform this material in the way that I feel like is significant to the project um so I was actually considering dropping music completely as a profession and just going into voice acting which is something that I was pursuing during COVID um and then I like kind of switched gears and thought okay well I have all of this material I still really want to release this record um so then I decided like I'm just gonna put as much of like my savings into this as I can really. So I started off with the singles and was doing a program, um, the Canadian music incubator in Toronto, um, Canada's music incubator. And, um, and then I was getting a lot of resources through them for like what I should be doing with PR. And then I decided to do some like digital ads through some friends. And then also, Um, got some like playlisting done which has been really helpful to like you know for streaming and followers and that kind of thing and um, yeah oh and then we got um, like the exclaim new faves a couple weeks ago and they've been promoting it to radio across uh, campuses and communities like throughout Canada which has been really awesome too Uh uh-huh but you didn't end up like bringing somebody else onto the team to do that. This is, you, you sought kind of advice or, or like you sought opinions from other people and then you put that into action yourself. Is that, is that what kind of happened? Yeah. And then also I reached out to like individual PR people, like playlisters from oh, ZYK okay. marketing. Um, I'm also working alongside Misfit Management. They've been really okay. influential to like my album rollout process. So they've kind of been like holding my hand through it. um which has been amazing so yeah it's been like kind of a it's been a lot of uh relationship building and like a lot of seeking advice from other artists um especially because i've never released a project that has more of like this indie rock sound this country sound Mm -hmm. so i was like i really need to 
push for this and like make it make sense for the amount of money that I'm putting into it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> One way I could kind of try and ask about what's coming next would be to mm. talk about the sound of the project, which is one thing that we could do, but maybe you don't know that yet, or maybe you do to some extent, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm being totally honest, I would love to make a pop album. I would absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still, I really do still love jazz. And I just, I mean, I'm almost kind of like, do I just change the genre every single time I release a project? Because I just get bored so quickly with, um, I don't know, I, get, I feel like trapped. I feel like I'm boxed in or something. Um, so there's a couple of uh, singles that'll be coming out within the next year that kind of are adjacent to my angels. They're still in that world. Um, but I, yeah, there's some, there's a lot of writing that's been going on right now, which is really was not expecting after this release. I thought I was going to kind of be brain dead, but mm. it just kind of seems to be happening. So I've really been enjoying that and just kind of seeing like what formation it's going to take. Yeah, and like how many of your you did I don't think you kept Joe Abbott is the only one I know for sure off the top of my head. I'm thinking about like how many band members you brought back four years later after Wall Plays Hall, right? Like it's mm -hmm. not not that many, right? Um, yeah. even though those people are all still kinda in this our circle, but it's yeah. like on this album you got mostly different mm -hmm. supporting musicians mm -hmm. right so but whether or not you run back the same musicians because obviously those those musicians could make a pop album with you no problem Yo. right they, they oh, totally could yeah <laughs> <laughs> they, totally they, could. they totally know yeah. that that's the direction i would love to go in uh one day but because like jeremy parkin like he's a producer right he's not he's mostly in hip-hop he does some like indie rock stuff under his name but um, that was really interesting to have someone that was like, I really wanted someone that was in that world to be on like this track Sorrel that's on my angels. And then on the boss, a song lock it. Um, and we've been talking about like what that would look like if we were to collaborate on like more of a pop song. Um, but yeah, it would, I, uh, again, like Winston, like his playing on private dinner party. I could totally mm -hmm. see that on a pop album. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what did um what did Jeremy play? Did he play synths or was he involved in the mixing or the post production? What what did he contribute to those tracks? He did some like textural stuff. So there was a lot of percussion. Okay, yeah. And then there was like some slide guitar, there was some glockenspiel, some rain sound, some bird sound. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Cause I was I, I was wondering, yeah, textural stuff that that would include all of that. Yeah, just not the totally. main instruments that mm -hmm. that people are playing. Yeah, yeah. What's like if you think about it now? You think about the the release here, the things that went well, the stuff you did with the Canada's Music Incubator, and the, mm -hmm. the stuff that you learned from your partnerships with these people. Like, what's what's a goal that feels right to you or that calls to you and mm. in, in, on a on an upcoming project or could even Goals. be with this one because you st we still yeah. got runway on this one right you have mm -hmm. things that are going to come out it sounds like yeah. they're still part of this mm -hmm. cycle but like what now that you're kind of you're on this new level mm -hmm. like what's a what's a goal that's calling to you about what you're going to do next oh i would love to take this band on the road it would uh -huh. be so awesome um yeah, like I said, I feel like touring is getting harder and harder uh, for mm -hmm. musicians because of the financial burden. Um, 
And just because so many people are still like, you know, backlogged from trying to go on tour in the pandemic. So um, I that's definitely a really big goal would be to bring like Joe, Stephen, Nick and Winston um, like across Canada, America. We would love to go to Europe. Um you know, I want to take them, I want to take them worldwide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the goal, the the dream for me really is to be able to uh, make music my, my whole, you know, bread and butter. And then um, also writing for other artists, like for pop songs, rock songs, like that would be super. You started doing that already? Cool. Um, I've started writing some like punk rock stuff that I, I would love to do a punk rock band, not attached <laughs> to my name. <laughs> I know I'm like all over the place. Um, and I have a couple people in mind that I would really love to write for that I'd like to approach and say, Hey, like this is something that I'm really passionate about. Okay. Yeah. yeah that, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got all the genres spinning in your mind. Yeah, Totally. Yeah. And then yeah, going on that going on that longer kind of tour would be the natural kind of Yeah. next step. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned voice acting a while ago, but mm-hmm. you said that you were voice acting. So that's not something that's a part of your day-to-day at this point. No, no. I think it will be now that the album rollout is like um slowing down a little bit. And mm. but um yeah, it was like really I was going to school for like maybe two years through the pandemic um probably two to three times a week doing classes at on the mic in Gastown, and i just i've been told my whole life because i do a lot of silly voices just you know (laughs) and talking and stuff and i feel like a lot of singers are kind of known for that um and i was like you know what like if if music tanks like this is i have the skill set why not um so that'll definitely be more of a thing in the coming months but i would love to do a cartoon oh Oh, my god i'd be all over it (laughs) (laughs) another really cool thing is like if you can sing and you're a voice actor it's a match made in heaven because think about all the cartoons where they or disney too right like where they have the sing-alongs and musical numbers um so that was really cool like experimenting with like this cartoonish voice and roster of different voices that I had and adding them to my music. So sometimes when I'm on stage and especially if we're doing standards still for like a more jazz gig, I'll like slip them in sometimes and stuff. It's really fun. Yeah. (laughs) But like if you looked at, yeah, what because you've been focusing on the album rollout so much Mm -hmm. over the last couple of months, that's not something that you had been doing. Yeah. No. And if you like looked at what your day-to-day time was mm-hmm. or like what you ended up doing yeah. just in general like it would be very unique in that way because you were all in on on spending as much time on this album as totally possible, right yeah 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 once it once you start to cool down off mm-hmm. of that what does your your days end up looking like in that respect mm-hmm. like if you're not like fully immersed in the album and if uh, are you are you coming back like we were just talking about mm-hmm. into voice acting or what what else ends up popping up for you in terms of what you have to do like out there because we all have to do a million things when I we're know. trying to do this kind of thing yeah <laughs> I mean well I'd love again like I don't yeah I'd love to help 
artists with like their marketing and their merch, I think it would be really oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I want to start pursuing. I want to start um, writing for more people, like I was saying. Um, and I think that like voice acting will start to like become more of a daily practice. But um, it's interesting because like I feel like with voice acting, the best way to like go about it in my for me anyway would be to get an agent so I'll probably have to start from the ground up which is gonna be kind of exhausting because especially doing this album cycle and like learning so much and like soaking up all of this information about like what it is to put out an album independently uh with like a very consistent rollout is like and then going shifting back to voice acting is like I have to start from ground zero again with that as well so um because that's been on the back burner I'd say since like the fall of 2022 um so I think it'll be a lot of like reaching out to people seeing who's interested uh trying to get my roster of like cartoon voices up again and then also starting to write for a new project for myself yeah yeah so there's a lot of new beginnings in the air even yeah as you're hitting a, a completion of a certain thing there's already yeah. all these other things on your mind that you're totally gonna be into. yeah yeah but it feels really good it feels i love being busy i love um creation of any kind so like just as long as i'm like doing all of these different avenues i feel like i'm gonna be fulfilled <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for you for all those different things that are, that are going on. I feel like I learned so much about where you're at the first mm. time I ever really got to chat with you. Yeah. You're very open and, and mm -hmm. generous about sharing so many things that are oh, going on from you. like the personal stuff yeah. behind your songs to, mm. to all the different things you've got going on. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. And I, I dig Sweet. your music. Thank I'm wishing you. you all the best on, on your shows coming up. Thank and, you uh, so much. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you enjoyed it, become a member for free today at rhythmchanges.ca and get the free weekly article that includes this week's upcoming gigs from the gig list, all the events in our scene that I put together for you. Also, check out the Vicarious podcast hosted by my friends Alex Scott and Karen White. Season two is in progress now. Find Vicarious in your podcast player of choice. Until next time, take care.